Happy New Year! Woo! We are back, Katie. <laughs> Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, we are back. Can you believe it? It's been quite a long time. It feels like it's been ages, if I'm being honest with you. It's been too long, Katie. Yeah, too I don't know. Long. When did we last record together? It must have been... Oh, gosh. Yeah, because the last episode I recorded with Luke. I hope you all enjoyed Luke, because he actually really loved being on the podcast. He even put the podcast link in his Instagram bio. If that's not saying something, then... That's far more dedicated than I am. Yes. You don't even post anything on social media. Hardly ever, no. He is now an honorary member, and if you're not careful, you will be replaced. <laughs> How everyone would, it... would miss me too much, yeah, I think. Yeah, say that. Everyone would miss you. Yeah, it's been, it's been a minute. It's been quite a while. And Katie's telling the story today, and it's been ages since you even last told the story. I think it was... Yeah, so we think Halloween, right? Since I last... Near Halloween with Eileen. Told the story. Come on, Eileen <laughs> Tulloo. <laughs> if you remember that episode, it was a while back. Katie, Happy New Year. We're recording from your brand new flat. Guys, we've all moved. It's happened. Everyone's settled in now. Katie is in this gorgeous, nice new flat. We're here. We need to say, by the way... We are not breaking any COVID rules because Katie lives on her own. So I've, what, what is it? Katie's up to date with the COVID rules. So he's, I've support bubbled with Jack's household. Yes, indeed. So, so Jack can come over and it's fine. Well, it's not illegal. Remember, no, it's not. <laughs> we just report the crowd. We don't actually kill anyone the with coronavirus. Don't worry about that. Um, so yeah, we're in Katie's gorgeous new flat, which is our new recording studio. It literally is a studio flat. Exactly. So it is. It is our actual studio. That's why you moved in here purely to record this. Just so we can... <laughs> Something like that, yeah. So, Kate, what have you been up to over Christmas? How was your Christmas? We haven't seen each other actually since before Christmas. I know Christmas was nice. I spent Christmas with my family in Bristol, so... Lovely. That was nice. What about you? Yeah, Christmas was lovely. I didn't stop eating. I didn't stop drinking. And now I'm 20 pounds heavier. And I've just had to send off a picture, topless, for a job. <laughs> what's Christmas for if it's not for eating? Exactly. And what's also this podcast for if it's not for eating? Exactly. <laughs> Killing two birds with one stone. So now we are finally back together at last. Probably to the delight of all our listeners, I am sure. So this week we decided I should bake, even though there wasn't any baking actually involved. Because, yet again... I'm lazy and I just want to take the easy route out. But I did make something. I've made a gingerbread caramel slice, shall we call it. I was in Aldi. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a millionaire's shortbread, but it's not shortbread. And it's not regular caramel. It's got <laughs> gingerbread caramel, which I found in Aldi in the centre aisle, I think. And so I was like, I'd work with that. And then I just got some digestive biscuits, mashed them up put some in some butter i didn't even weigh the biscuits i just got a packet of biscuits i didn't even weigh the butter i just just lobbed it in it was very slab dash yeah so we turned up turned the recipe on and it was like you need 450 grams or something like that of biscuits looked at the pack of biscuits that he had and he was like so i've got like 200 grams of biscuits (laughs) we'll just go with that that looks like it's figured out yeah it looks good should we taste it then yeah let's let's have lunch Mm. what do you think what's the verdict that's good Mm. You were worried it'd be too gingerbready, but I really like it. To me, the ginger is just a little bit too much. I don't think it is. It's not that gingery. I got Katie the gingerbread candle that I spoke about before for Christmas, and she was burning it tonight. Well, I came in, took over the flat, and started burning the candle. 
and I had to turn it off because it did get a bit too much. And I was thinking gingerbread candle, gingerbread caramel, a bit of an overdose to be honest. I do like ginger though. I actually made gingerbread on our last podcast. Did you? Yeah, yeah I made a gingerbread house. house. Yes, I remember. Annoyingly, first time round, I burnt the chocolate trying to melt it though in the microwave and I bought a massive bar of dairy milk. So good. We had a little bit of a nibble of it. Decided to melt it in the microwave and burnt the bloody chocolate. Rookie error. Everyone knows if you want well-melted chocolate, you put it over the pan. So I went to the shop after spending large amounts of money on dairy milk. (laughs) I had to then go to the shop and buy the cheapest chocolate they had. And it actually tastes quite nice, surprisingly. I feel like cheap chocolate, when you're melting it to put on something, it doesn't really make... I don't think it makes too much difference whether you've got dairy milk Mm. or cheap chocolate. Let's just pretend it's dairy milk or lint. Mm. I know we shouldn't have told them. Mm. We've got Hotel Chocolat chocolate melted on top of this. The finest. Only the finest for us. Cost £200. Per gram. <laughs> mm, that was good. Have you finished yours? Of course. <laughs> you clearly have not finished yours. You barely touched it. Can't have been that good. No, it is really good. Mm. Just savouring it. I don't know how you ate, physically ate it that fast. I just said hoover it in vacuum my mouth's at vacuum it's okay T <laughs> the moment I've been waiting for for months I've had to suppress my appetite for killings <laughs> and <laughs> murderous subjects by watching endless amounts of crime documentaries over the Christmas period so I'm gagging for you to tell me another story please if you haven't already guys watch Forensic Files Other crime documentaries are available. But that is the best. 20 minutes long. Bish, bash, bosh. There are hundreds of them on YouTube. Get watching. So, Katie, can you fill me in? Sure. Thank you. Uh, So, the actual description of today's crime is fairly short. But it's something that's been in the news. And basically, it's like a debate sparker. Okay. Are you wanting me to debate with you? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Anyway, I'll tell you, you'll, you'll understand. So, those of you that keep an eye on the news, particularly like BBC News app, will be familiar with this, because it's been on there a lot this past week. Bearing in mind, today's the what? 20... No, the 16th. Oh God, I'm wishing my life away. Okay, yeah, today's the 16th, so... This has been in the news this past week. Basically, I'm going to tell you about Lisa Montgomery. Have you seen the name recently? No. No, because Jack doesn't bother with current affairs. No, I actually don't. So, Lisa Montgomery met online a lady called Bobby Jo Stinnett, and she was 23 at the time, as in... Um, Bobby was 23 and they met each other online through their shared love of dogs and they'd corresponded for several weeks on an online forum for rat terrier breeders on an enthusiasts page called Ratter Chatter so they were chatting away and for some reason I'm really on edge does this end in murder? Jack, of course it ends in murder. <laughs> well, I don't know if you were talking... I thought you were going to give you some current affairs, something to do with coronavirus. No. How have I not I seen I know this? the news is full of COVID, but 
there's other stuff happening. True. Just be patient. So, they're chatting away, and Stinnett has obviously told Lisa Montgomery that she is pregnant. And Montgomery tells her the same thing. She says, oh, I'm pregnant too. And they start sharing, like, baby stories. Then, in December 2004, so, like, not long after, under a pseudonym being Darlene Fisher... Lisa Montgomery drives the 281.5 kilometres, which is 175 miles, Mm -hmm. from her home in Kansas to Skidmore, which is where Bobby Joe Stinnett lives. Okay. And she had an appointment under that name to go and look at some puppies that Stinnett had. So even though they'd been talking online as, like, Lisa and Bobby, whatever, she didn't then make an appointment through that. She made a separate appointment under a pseudonym. Weird, okay. To go and look at these puppies. And then when Stinnett answered the door, Montgomery straight away overpowered her, strangled her with a piece of rope, and cut her baby out and (gasps) stole the baby. Oh, I think I might have seen something like this, actually. That's the murder. Well, that was quick. Bobby Joe was discovered by her mother in a pool of blood about an hour after the assault. Um called 911 immediately, describing the wounds inflicted upon her daughter as appearing as if her stomach has exploded. Mm. Attempts by paramedics to revive Bobby Joe it were unsuccessful, and she was pronounced dead um, at the hospital. Wait, do we know how she did it? What do you mean? I mean, obviously... We... She, like, took a knife and... Just... Cut the baby out, yeah. Did the baby survive? Yes. Yes. Do you want me to skip to that? Well, bas- uh, basically, in the of basically, that? yes. When oh, no, I'll just carry on. You'll find out very soon. Okay. So obviously, investigators started looking into it as a murder, and they were looking for a Darlene Fisher because that's who made the appointment. But they obviously very soon realised that she didn't exist, and they managed to track down Lisa Montgomery the next day based on emails that she'd sent and her computer IP address. So, super easy, she was found. Um, and they found her cradling the baby girl, which she claimed to have given birth to the previous day, which obviously is not true. What the hell? Um, her story very quickly fell apart and she confessed to the killing, and the baby was taken back to his dad. How the hell did the baby survive? Was this woman a, a nurse or something? No. She literally it's, So she had, like, looked up on her computer, like, how to perform a C-section, things like that. But oh, she just my God. cut it out. I mean, as long as you don't cut too deep, I guess, then you're just... But then you're, like, quitting them, but... Ugh. The mum was already dead, so yeah, there wasn't any it. care for, like, preservation on life on that part. But, yeah. I just find so that very bizarre. Crazy. So that's that's literally all I have to tell you about... The murder. The murder. Okay. It's more recent events. Right. So this is, this is going to be a slightly different podcast because obviously Delayed. we would normally be like, oh, now the investigation begins. Mm. and New Year, New Year. So the ultimate debate is the age-old classic, are you pro or anti-death penalty? Okay. So since 2008, she's been held at a federal prison in Texas for female inmates with special medical and psychological needs where she has been receiving psychiatric care. Since receiving her execution date, she's been placed on suicide watch in an isolated cell. So, basically, federal 
executions. So executions that aren't determined by an independent state, but are determined by the US government, i.e. the president, have been on hold for 17 years prior to Donald Trump being president. What do you mean by on hold? So previous presidents, i.e. Barack Obama and people that preceded him, none of them had ordered an execution of an inmate. That's interesting. So federal executions... Hadn't been a thing for 17 years. Hadn't been a thing for 17 years. So still legal, but none of them had done it. So it's up to the president to actually say, yes, go ahead with it. Yes. Until Donald Trump comes along. Now, obviously, in recent times... Donald has been coming to the end of his uh, reign, thank goodness. And so there has been a flurry of him trying to push executions through. Why? Because Joe Biden has said that he is putting a stop to federal executions at some point in his term in office. So, I mean, I don't know if that'll be like from day one. Obviously, there's a lot more mm-hmm. politics to it, and processes yeah. to it than just being like, that's me done. Yeah. But yes, so Donald Trump in the last few months has been trying to really push through It was a reason he wanted to do this. Because he's Donald Trump. And there you have it. So this story is quite unique because the last woman that was executed by the government was... I think it was literally something like 67 years ago. 67? Yeah. So when she went to court, Mm -hmm. she was found guilty in five hours. Five hours and she was found guilty. Like, her defence lawyers tried to plead that... (laughs) Tried to plead that someone else had done it. Her ex-husband or her husband at the time. I'm going to tell you a bit more about her life in a minute as we kind of weave in, in through this but yeah they tried to plead like someone else had done it and then obviously that was not really figuring out so then they moved on to kind of diminished responsibility and psychological reasons why she would have done it and therefore she wasn't guilty you know guilty of diminished responsibility or something like that but no they found her guilty in five hours and sentenced her to death but this was in 2000 and Maybe I didn't put it in here. So let me tell you a bit more about her life and more about her mental health because that's the second part to this argument. So there's there's debate number one, which is whether you're pro or anti-death penalty. And then there's also whether you believe she shouldn't have ever been sentenced to death because she's not that guilty because of her mental health. So do you really think that people can claim kind of diminished responsibility and things like that are you asking me now are you going to tell me some more information no i'll tell you some more about her life for this i mean of course it's one of those things it's like well surely it's on a case by case basis so i'll tell you more about her life and see what you think so her current legal team conducted 450 interviews with family members, friends, caseworkers, doctors, social workers, like people that used to know her, loads and loads of people, to stitch together this kind of story of her life. Before she was even born, according to an interview with her father, Montgomery's mother, Judy, I'm going to say Shaughnessy, drank really heavily 
and Lisa was born with fetal alcohol syndrome, which medical experts have given statements to agree with that diagnosis. I'm not 100% sure the impacts of that on someone. Me I don't either. know. She had a half-sister called Diane, and they shared a father, so it wasn't Judy's daughter, it was their father's daughter. Once they split, Diane and Lisa lived with Judy for a little bit together, but then um, Diane was removed from the home by social services. So you can already imagine things weren't great. And after Diane was removed from the home, Lisa fell prey to her mother's new husband, who, according to statements from his other children, was a violent alcoholic who began sexually abusing Lisa when she was preteen. The family moved from place to place dozens of times, but it was in a trailer in Oklahoma where her lawyers say the abuse turned into something more akin to torture. According to interviews with her half-siblings and others who spent time with the family, her stepfather built a shed onto the trailer where he and eventually his friends raped and beat her. Her mother also began trafficking her, allowing handymen like electricians and plumbers to sexually abuse her in exchange for work on the house. What the hell? This is what I don't get, how these people open open up a conversation with someone else to be like, by the way... Will you do this for free if I let you sleep with my daughter? Because if you ask, were to ask anyone now, you'd get rep- well. Hopefully, you would get reported to the police. Yeah. So how can they find this many people who are that sick? It's crazy, isn't it? That just that you would even contemplate doing that. Yeah. It makes you wonder because you think you know people, but it actually makes you wonder how many people we know who would be up for something like this. That's very true. Yeah, like you definitely think, surely no one, but there is people that do. Probably, yeah. So as a teenager, she actually confided in a cousin, telling him that men would tie her up, beat her and even urinate on her. But the cousin, who was a sheriff's deputy, confessed to her her current legal team that at the time he did nothing about it. And he was a sheriff's deputy at the time? Yeah. Well... Something's not right there. Yeah. So after she'd confessed to him, he drove her back home. What the hell? Knowing what, like, what was going to happen. Ugh. He did, he has, like, more recently said that he lives with regret that he never, like, spoke up or did anything about it. But she thinks too little too late, Mm. you know? Especially if you are in that position of power and responsibility and you didn't do anything. Like, she probably confided in him, knowing his job and his status, and And nothing came of it. I guess in her mind, think of it, I'm trying to think of it from her point of view, if your cousin, who is a sheriff, can't help you, and he's a, well, deputy sheriff, then no one can. Because if the police can't, who can? Exactly, yeah, exactly that. So when she was 18, Lisa married her stepbrother. The couple had four children together in five years, but the relationship was not the escape from violence that she might have hoped it was. And at one point, one of Montgomery's other brothers found a home movie showing her husband raping and beating her and said it was like a scene out of a horror movie and that he felt sick and he didn't know what to do or how he could talk to her sister about it or how he could talk to his sister about it 
So that's another member of the family that knows what she's going through that's not done anything. What the hell? Sorry, guys. Kate's just mentioned to me that the freezer's making a noise and it might be picked up on the mic. So if you can hear the constant rumbling, it's not our cellies. It's Katie's freezer. And is it now playing on your mind and you're not listening to anything I'm saying? And I was just thinking about that. I think you were saying that, so you might need to repeat it again. Okay, so she married her stepbrother. Yeah. And they had four kids in five years. She married her stepbrother. Correct. I mean, technically, that's no, like, blood relationship. Enough of still. Then another one of her brothers found a sex tape of the two of them. And he said it was something out of, like, a horror movie, her being, like, beaten and raped, but that he didn't know how to broach the subject with his sister or how he could talk about it. So that's, like, a second family member that knows what's happening to her and (sighs) isn't doing anything about it. I just don't get how, how much of these things people can watch. I always wonder how much he actually watched and why he would get as far, watching it as far to know it was sexual. Because I feel like if things started like that and you saw someone getting beat, I'd just turn it off straight away. Yeah. But then you'd know you'd know what it was. Even if you hadn't watched it, like that'd be the reason you turned it off. Yeah. And then you'd have to do something about it, right? Mm. Her friends and family began noticing that she would slip kind of into a world of her own. And... It kind of disturbed them, including her children. Apparently, this was an early sign of her mental illnesses, which include bipolar, complex PTSD, dissociative disorder, and traumatic brain injury. So it is a lot. She eventually divorced her husband and married Kevin Montgomery. So that's obviously where she takes her surname from. Mm-hmm. Around this time, she repeatedly claimed to be pregnant although she'd undergone sterilisation after her fourth baby was born. So one theory that her lawyers put forward was that Montgomery was fearing that her ex-husband would expose all her lies. He would know that she was actually sterile yeah. and so would be able to say, obviously she's not pregnant, um, and use it against her during trying to seek custody of their children. So they think that she was under so much pressure to make it not a lie that that's when she just was so completely detached from reality and her fantasies about being pregnant and everything just took over and that's when the crime occurred but to me no matter how desperate she is to get a child she could have found a different way to get a child like surely she could roam the internet and search for someone trying to sell a child i know that's really bad but Rather than kill someone, I'm sure... Not that I know that goes on, but... Child trafficking and stuff. She could have picked up a child... This is really bad saying this, but she yeah, could have picked up a child though. a different way. She yeah. didn't have to cut the child out of someone's belly. But then An unborn that's, child, that's, that's where she might we argue survived. that she's like mentally unstable. But mentally unstable, and she did go f- through some shit, of course, but you still know what right and wrong is. Yeah, like if she's got dissociative disorder for example and she's like completely dissociated from reality and does that include not knowing right from wrong or like how traumatic is this brain injury like you know if she's been abused and tortured as a very young person maybe there's a sense that it is right and it is okay yeah 
But I'm not saying that's 100% what I think and yeah, feel. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm devil's advocate. playing devil's advocate. Which you are the best at. I just, if she knew, she knew it was wrong from the beginning because she told her cousin, the sheriff deputy. So that is true. Um, evidence that she knows what was happening wasn't good and it was bad because she wanted to try and get out of it because she told him. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm not educated well enough to have a full opinion because you need to know both sides of the stories and you need to know her full mental health. But... Yeah, agreed. Surely she must have known what she was doing wasn't good. Yeah, I agree. And there was just... Yeah, there was just other ways she could do it, I guess, where she didn't have to... Like, even kidnapping a child from someone, why do you have to cut the child out of someone? Because it had to be, like, a newborn, newborn baby. Okay, yeah. yeah, I didn't think of that. It just seems very far-fetched. And I can't believe it actually happened, and I cannot believe the baby survived. Yeah. That's a big thing for me. I cannot believe it survived. So, the long and short of it, and, and why it's been in the news this week, is that she was put to death this week. Right, okay. It was, like, Tuesday, Wednesday. Do we know how she died? Lethal injection. Give us a second, the boiler's just taken off. <laughs> Perks of being in a studio flat. Everything is... In the same room. In the same room, yeah. Apart from your toilet, thank God. Yeah. So she was put to death this week by lethal injection. Yes. And I've just found where I wrote about this last female federal education... Education? Execution. So she is the first female federal inmate to be put to death by the US government in 67 years. But I don't get why they're focusing so much on that she's female. Yeah, it shouldn't make a difference. Yeah. If you're a killer, you're a killer. Yeah. So I understand why they're making it a big thing because she's the first female. But why Why should it be a thing that she's a female? Male, aren't male and females equal? I agree. She could be well, a gorilla. We all, yeah. Like, make we a think they're equal, but they're obviously seen it to prove a point, I guess. I guess there is always that kind of stereotype that... And I guess uh, statistically it's true that men are more likely to be killers than women. And so then, you know, statistically it is more likely to be a man than a woman. But it's a good point. Do you agree with the death penalty then? Do you agree with her being put to death? I don't think I'm pro... No, I'm not pro-death penalty. I can sometimes understand arguments for it. I mean, I feel like when you start learning about debating in school, it's one of the very first things that you debate about, isn't Mm, it? Because it's quite a... I feel like there's two different things that you debate. You debate whether you should be allowed to wear a non-school uniform (laughs) and you you debate about the death Death penalty. penalty. That's like two things you debate about in school. And there's the kind of, you know, treat others as you would want to be treated and therefore if you're going to induce death upon someone else, then the same should be done to you. Yeah. And there's other arguments such as, you know, taxpayers' money keeping people in prison for life is expensive is really expensive and potentially quite like i mean i've never been to prison i don't know what it's like you've never been to prison yet no i will never go to (laughs) prison i'll go off tax evasion (laughs) oh god yeah we'll talk about that after (laughs) and so maybe that's better it's cheaper in the long run Then there's the whole argument that's like, but then does that make the state as bad as they are for basically committing the same crime? 
To me, I'm not religious or anything, so I'm not one to forgive so easily. And and I try to think of it from two different perspectives. So sometimes I'm like, if someone were to kill a member of my family, you would just want them dead, and you would probably want to do it yourself. Like, you'd want to kill them yourself because you're so angry. There's no other punishment. Like, you've killed someone, so why shouldn't you be killed? You've ended someone's yeah. life. How can you only then get 24 years in prison when you've took away someone's life? Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, life, life in prison does not always, hardly ever actually means life. Yeah. Like, eligible for parole, like you say, in like 24, 25 years seems ludicrous. But on the other hand, when I think that they actually do kill people, I find that crazy. That it's still a thing. So it's... it's yeah, because it seems so barbaric and so... And scary, because if you was in that... To me, if I was in America and I was in one of them states, and you got yourself into a situation where you were maybe in, in the wrong place at the wrong time and someone happened to get murdered and they blamed it on you, and it wasn't you and you was innocent, how that would make you feel, thinking, oh my God, they're now going to kill me, but I'm innocent. And if you got put to death as an innocent man, there'd be no chance for... Yeah. The truth to Ouch. be discovered. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's hard. It's a hard one. I just it depends. It does depend. I think, like, I obviously do see the arguments to both sides, but at the end of the day, I think I'm probably anti-death penalty. Yeah, probably. It would be. I'd find it scary if it was death penalty. If we had the death penalty in the UK. Yeah. I think it would make people think twice before doing any crime. For instance, if you were robbing a house, in the back of your mind you'd probably think about the death penalty because you were thinking if you were robbing a house and it all went tits up and you ended up killing someone who was in the house by accident, then you know in your mind you could be put to death. Yeah. So maybe it would stop people. Does that, am I making sense? But then I don't think it stops people in the US. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the whole gun scenario, don't even get me started on that. Well, see, that's what I think it kind of like ties in. I mean, yeah, so Joe Biden said he's going to stop the death penalty full stop is my understanding because it's not legal in all states it's very few states isn't it yeah and yeah so like i said to you there's a difference between like federal executions and independent state executions but my understanding is that joe biden is going to put a stop to all death penalty Yeah, I can't imagine the death penalty being a thing here. Yeah. So, to kind of round it off with with what I'd written down, is um, until July... So, you know how I said there'd been no federal executions for 17 years? That is up to July 2020. So, even nearly the whole of Trump's reign of terror. And only 18 death sentences were handed down in 2020. And the number of executions carried out has hit a 30-year low. And states that have been handing out executions, like Texas and Tennessee and etc., all that's been halted and paused and delayed because of COVID, like everything. But the, lives. So those like state executions, like in Texas and Tennessee, aren't happening because of COVID. But the executions ordered by President Trump are continuing. Mm. And if they all go ahead the federal government will have executed more people than any administration in nearly 100 years. Wow, in what, six months? Basically, yeah. it's from July, didn't you say? 
Yeah, that's what I've got written down, yeah. From July 2020. Bloody hell. That's crazy, isn't it? And that just tops off what kind of man he is. Yeah. But I guess it does depend what part you're looking at it from. Because if you looked at it from the victim's party, they are probably loving him for that. Like, if the victim's families, say if they were murderers, yeah, they will so want them to put to death. I have a bit of background on Bobby Joe and where she comes from. The woman who was... Murdered, murdered, yeah. So the population of Skidmore, where she was from, hovers just around about 250 people. So it's super small. And so obviously everyone knows everyone and everyone knew her and her family. And friends recall her as being a great student with a love of horses and dogs. She liked swimming, she liked playing games and she was just quiet and kind. So just generally a really nice person that doesn't I mean not that anyone deserves that but you know just the last thing you'd think would happen to someone like her so at the time of her murder she was newly married pregnant with her first child and although obviously the alumni of her school kind of scattered and you know doing their own things now the graduating class of her school was only 22 students because they were in a really small place and to mark the anniversary of their death, um, they always of her death, sorry, they always hold a collection and try to do something really nice for her mum. So, for example, last year they bought her flowers, got her a $100 gift card, and also paid off her water bill. Oh, so they sweet. basically like run a collection around and try and do something really nice for their family, which I think is lovely. And the murder is obviously like never really far from their minds. Um... And in a lot of places that report the murder, so particularly like certain newspapers and documentaries and stuff, obviously it's very heavily one-sided, particularly like similar to what our podcast has been thus far on the life and mental state of Lisa Montgomery. And actually very few report on the life of Bobby Joe. Yeah. And so these things are often also like very one-sided and just kind of it's like she's actually forgotten about even yeah. though she's the victim in yeah. this situation like apparently she always wanted to be a mum she was like the first one to just have the life that they all wanted that yeah. kind of like perfect family life and the um the sheriff who went to the scene the first guy on the scene said that it was like one of the bloodiest, most horrible scenes he's ever attended and is still traumatised to this day. So... Yeah, so when you hear it from that side, it makes me angry and it makes me feel like, well, yeah, she should be put to death because what she did was awful. Yeah. And then we flip it back to... Yeah. But she went through all this as a kid and she was technically a victim herself. She has... You know, regardless of what she went through as well, she's diagnosed with multiple mental illnesses. Yeah. And therefore, is there a standing for diminished responsibility and that she's not... She didn't know what she was doing and... I guess, but then at the same time, what people might be saying, it's not her choice that she did this. But on the other side, it wasn't the victim's choice either. The victim didn't choose to die. 
she had no choice in the matter. So why should people give the lady who did did it like empathy? Because the victim didn't have a choice, and then I guess the state now choose to kill her because does that make sense? Yeah, she has is now in the same position as her victim. Yeah, she got it's it's someone else's power to decide what happens to her. What goes around comes around. Yeah. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Yeah, that argument. Um, because there's some people saying that. How can she argue um, diminished responsibility in something that was so clearly planned? Um, because she had essentially catfished Stinnett with a fake name. And she'd bought supplies. Apparently she bought um, a home birth kit. Clearly not that she really did it that well, but, you know, she made purchases and had searched online for how to perform a C-section. And so the crime itself was meticulously planned out. Um, But then a clinical psychologist who's evaluated her and spent 18 hours with her says that psychosis does not always look the way people expect it to. Being psychotic does not mean you're not intelligent, nor that you can't act in a planful way. We've seen crime for years and years in our country in which people enact terrible violence coming out of psychotic set of beliefs or thought process. Lisa Montgomery is no different. She enacted this in the grip of a very broken mind. So what's he saying? Saying that even though it was planned out meticulously and would therefore make it look like she knew what she was doing because she was preparing for it, that people in psychosis are psychotic because of their belief like some like one aspect of it is that's because that's their beliefs and their their genuine thought process and it's not just their thought process for an hour whilst they kill someone yeah it's their thought process for days and weeks and months and years but is even her being in prison going to make her better is she would she has she got better since she's been in prison not that I know, like, whilst she was in prison, she was obviously on, for a while, she was in, like, a prison dedicated to psychiatry and mental health. So she wasn't in, like, mainstream prison. I think it's a really tricky one. Yeah, it is. And it's a good job we don't make the decisions. Because we, Cause we wouldn't be able to. <laughs> like, I've literally only decided on a new rug for my room after about <laughs> one month of being in the room let alone deciding on someone's life and death. Yeah. It's a hard one, because no matter what decision you make, someone is always going to oppose it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that's, like, part of what makes society good, is that people have differing opinions. And... Mm-hmm. So can you even ever be right? I don't think you can. No. It's very philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> well... I think it's time to wrap up there on that (laughs) philosophical (laughs) endeavour. Hopefully we've made you think about... Yeah, and let us know what you think about this story and this case. Um, If you have made it this far on the podcast, good on you. (laughs) Do you think it was boring? (laughs) No, 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 just saying (laughs) thank you for listening to us all. And don't forget to head over to our Instagram and give us a follow. Check out our K 
cake for this week. It's at Cake and Crime Podcast. So here's to the new year and some more episodes of Cake and Cry with Jack and Katie. Cake and Cry with us. I knew you wouldn't be able to go the whole podcast without cracking that out. Yeah. Um. So thank you so much, Katie. It's been a pleasure being back in your presence and hearing your voice. My yet again. Um, thank you all for listening in and we really do appreciate you. We shall see you again sometime soon. Ciao for Ciao now. For now.